It's your boy. Coming at you from the top of my house, two flights up from the kitchen, just below the roof. That's right. Where else? In my attic. It's your boy, the nonprofit sector connector, Tommy D. A little bit of a gravelly voice, a little bit of a late night last night, but an old friend of mine, I was just telling my friend Kofo, an old friend of mine told me, Tommy D, listen, you want to go out with the night owls. You got to wake up and soar with the Eagles, which is exactly what I tell my kids, especially when they're like, hey, man, there's a Mets game on. Can we watch the Mets game? And I say, you don't wake up like you're supposed to in the morning. If you do that, if you figure out how to wake up and do the things that you're supposed to do in the morning, well, then you can do the things that you want to do in the evening. But again, everything in moderation. But I will tell you, why am I a little gravelly? Why am I a little tired? I'm going to share something with you. I'll show you this. And this, just to tell you, this is not about that it was given to me. It's about the, the, the organization. So it says, Tommy Demisa, for your selfless dedication and commitment to nonprofit organizations and particularly post-tour processing. So last night, my friend Robin Canariato of post-tour processing, uh, by the way, the show is called Philanthropy and Focus, if I haven't said that yet. Uh, Robin Canariato and her team uh, honored me and a bunch of folks out at, down at Russo's on the Bay, out in Howard Beach, Queens, for those of you who are local, you know where I'm talking about. And this is an organization that provides uh, mental health services and counseling services to mainly police officers and first responders. Um, look, there's a lot of veterans in the room. Uh, I brought a bunch of my friends there who are who lead nonprofit organizations because I thought there would be good synergies. You know, I, I see an opportunity like uh, an evening like last night, and I said, I could fill this table with my parents and my siblings and my children, my wife, or uh, not that those people aren't proud of me, but or I could utilize this opportunity to bring people together. And if you go around telling the world you're the nonprofit sector connected, well, listen, kid, you better do it. Actually, you actually better go do the thing. You say, you, say, you know, it's one of those brands, Kofo, it's like right in the name, man. It's like, <laughs> you know, it's like you say, here it is. It's, people can't go like, what exactly does he do? Well, that's exactly. what I do, right? Like that is the thing. Like that's what I do. I connect nonprofits. So that is my friend, Kofo Anifalaje. Did I get it? How do I yes, I practice. I practice. That is my friend Kofo chuckling in the background, who's here with me. If you're just listening, you're going to hear our voices. If you're watching, you're going to see us too. Um, and we're going to get into all that. But I just want to say, you know, I start. I wrote some notes. So last night, I wanted to say last night leads into social capital, right? I, I joke about it. This is not self-deprecating, but I am only as good as the people I'm surrounded with. I'm only as good as the people I'm connected to. I had a great opportunity earlier this week to go out to uh, an event on Long Island for Long Island Businesses News, Long Island Business News's corporate citizenship event. See a bunch of folks that I hadn't seen in a while, reconnect and make some new connections with a lot of Long Island folks. But it's all about the people we know. It's all about the social capital. And that leads us to how we get to this conversation today. Because last summer, I was looking for some coursework to do. I was looking for something to get involved with. I, I said, you know what? I, I love this nonprofit stuff, this nonprofit work, this sector, the whole thing. And I want to learn more. I want to be more of an asset. I want to be more knowledgeable. And ever the student, I want to learn how to be effective and how to be an asset. So I, I look around and I find this organization called the Institute for Nonprofit Practice, which you've heard me reference several times here on the program. And I had this fortunate opportunity to connect with certainly a large group. But then we had our smaller cohort that we met on Thursday nights. And man, I look forward to that meeting. And, you know, you've, you've met my friend, Michael Partis here on the show. You've met Tammy Ellen from, uh, uh, from sober St. Patrick's day. You've met my friend, Maheen Kaleem, everybody on the show just a couple weeks ago. And today my friend Kofo is here. 
from the North Star Fund. And I will say, you know, it's always one of those sad things when something ends and sort of culminates because, you know, when we're forced to get together, and I don't mean forced in that way, but when there's a, you know, there's a, already a meeting on our calendar and we know we're going to see each other. And then things happen when something ends, when the coursework ends, when the project ends, when the, the job ends, whatever it might be, you know, it's more difficult to keep in touch because it's not scheduled. So I will say this, Kofel, I'm glad you're here with me. I, I missed Thursday evenings when we were all together. And I, I think actually, to be honest, I think that was my responsibility was to keep everybody together. So <laughs> I'll, I will own that right here world for all of you who are listening. And now this is forever an eternity. I have to fix that particular situation. But I was, you know, I was texting our buddy, Michael. Um, and, you know, Kaz Alexander was on the show. Kaz wasn't in our little uh Thursday evening click, but he became a buddy of mine too. So mm-hmm. it's just like how this, this, this networking thing goes. So Kofo, first of all, before I read some of your background and bio, I just want to say, hello, good morning. <laughs> good morning. <laughs> how are you today? I'm amazing. And I'm really, I'm so excited for uh, being here. I'm really thankful for you inviting me to your, you know, uh, amazing, you know, Foxton or (laughs) space. You know, I feel so privileged for, you know, being uh, among the number, you know, that you've invited here. So I appreciate um, it. Yeah. Excited. I appreciate it. Well, I will say, listen, you know, um, from afar, I was I was sort of like trying to learn as much as I could from you. And if it's cool with you, I'd like to continue to do that forever. Only for only for the next 50 years while I'm around. Because I know I know that I know that I I know what I know is very little. And and that's again not to beat me up. It's just there's so much we can know about life and and relationships, but certainly what we can know about nonprofit, but what we can know about philanthropy and what we can, you know, some of what we're going to talk about today will be trust-based philanthropy, which Copa was really going to give us. She's going to take us to school a little bit on that because I, because I, because I think we, we all need to learn that. But before we do that, so Kofo studied political science and African American studies at Wesleyan University, completed her graduate degree at Carnegie Mellon in public policy and management. And during her graduate school time, she was the policy director at an organization called, called New Voices Pittsburgh. After she gets her master's, she goes back to Brooklyn, right, where your roots are, right? And I want to read this quote from from your mom. And your mom had said to you, um, be useful, be of service, and make the world a better place. Be useful, be of service, and make the world a better place. Man, if those are not words to live by for each and every one of us, what a different world it would be if everybody started their day like that, thinking about that. (laughs) Right. I mean, what is, can we can without getting mushy and emotional? Can you tell me about that, that quote and what that really means to you? Sure. Um, you know, I think it's funny. Um, it's definitely a um, helpful quote, you know, now as I'm an adult. And I think as I've grown older, I've definitely taken it and maybe romanticized it a little bit. I think, you know, as I was younger, though, I at least I heard it. I took it in, you know, a little bit more assertive and aggressively. It felt a little bit more like don't just stand there, be useful, you know, what are you doing, you know, make yourself useful, what are you, you know, don't, (laughs) do you know when this world doesn't need another useless person, you know, (laughs) (laughs) so maybe 
maybe we said well, maybe we said a little differently than wh- how you were. <laughs> exactly, but you know that's what that's what age and you know growth yeah. is for. You know, yeah. we take our yeah. understanding, our understandings, you know, uh, manifest in different ways. But um, I think that's what that's what life is. And so for me, I think as you know, as life happens, and I think you know, Tommy, you. Uh, you had a um, opportunity for um, to hear sort of the trajectory of my career as part of as you know one of the pro- one of the um, presentations in our um, group study. Um, but you know, just as anyone, you know, I had to go through the process of figuring out what was my path. What's my path? You know, do I choose you know a more unfulfilling path? You know, in search of um, in the goal of just like making money or you know just comfort a life of stability or do I choose a something that's more fulfilling to me that's more a path that's more interesting that's more just like um you know um connected to to heart um for me um or you know even though it may not be what's more just uh um uh, what may make more money or may bring in more resources for me individually. Mm-hmm. And um, as I, you know, was going through that process, you know, just in my earlier years, that my mother just in my head just always came back to me, you know, it, it was just always my grounding. Like, how can I be useful? What is the useful thing for me to do? You know, what makes sense? What is, what is the service that I want to, you know, offer, you know? And so um, that's what, you know, that just, that's what helped me, helped guide me to, you know, ultimately to North Star Fund as I was, you know, searching for a place to a home, you know, um, organization to work with. It's, it's incredible. And, and, you know, look, I, I, my intention is to stick around for 50 years at 44. I think that's a pretty good number. And I feel like I've worked out a deal with the universe where, because I figure if I say it enough, it's going to happen. Right. So, so, uh, but let's just say that didn't happen for some reason. I wasn't here when I have, so I have four kids, as, as you know, Colfo, and certainly some of the folks who, who listen to this show know that. And my youngest guy, he's seven, he's going to be eight soon. And, and, you know, when he says to me, Hey, Hey dad, when are we, um, I want to do a day of service. When are we going to do another day of service? Like that to me is it, man. Like, and that's, you know, and I, I always try to be careful because I always feel like I'm pushing the ego thing, but it, it, cause it ain't about like that. I'm out there doing service. It's I do it because I love it, but I do it because I think it inspires other people. Now, if I inspire certainly the five people that live in my house aside from me to go out and do service, you know, my wife and I worked at, um, at a pantry, you know, a number of months ago, right back by my, in my neighborhood here. And, and the four kids certainly have all been out doing different things, man, that's it. That's the inspiration. Like that's yeah. what we're supposed to be doing. How are you going to be useful? How are you going to be of service? How are you going to make the world a better place? Shout out to our friend, Michael Portis, because I remember, you know, when Michael shared his story and I said this to him uh, when he was on the show here, I was like, what, what are you going to do, Michael Partis? Because somebody challenged him when he was younger in his college years. What are you going to do? Like, how are you going to make the difference? And I think, like, that's we got to push each other. We got to yeah. get, let's do it. Like, it's great. You, everybody has a lot of cool things to say. Mm-hmm. What about? So, what are you going to do? And I saw, I felt that a lot last night, especially in a room full of uh, first responders and and veterans for sure. Um, I want to talk about, you know when you were growing up, it, was there a certain point, you know, in addition to what your mom had said, 
were you involved in nonprofit? Was there, you know, I, if I'm not mistaken, I remember stuff about the church, right? The church was, was always important to you. So, you know, maybe we could speak a little bit about that and, and just kind of where it, as a, as a younger person. Sure. Um, yeah. Uh, for me, I definitely grew up in a church. So um, as you mentioned, I was born and raised in Brooklyn, in Bedside, Brooklyn. And Do or die. Uh, do or die. Joe Turner from Exponents <laughs> Only. We said it in a break before we started. Do or die, Bedside, right? That's right. Do I or die, Bedside. Um, and um, we were heavily um, involved in the church. Um, uh, I grew up in at Bridge Street AME Church, and my mother just had us involved in church activities. And, you know, the AME Church church it's just like a little it's kind of it's little its own little um nation <laughs> you know it's it's got its own politics it's got its own you know everything and so um you know i was involved in church organizations the church did its own community work you know it had its own leadership systems and things like that and you know that's that was my world that was my just like little world and so um that's how i learned to you know that was my community service you know mm -hmm. i was in you know things like you know girl scouts from from small from brownie or from daisies you know yeah, yeah, yeah. up into the seniors you know whatever else i could do you know the church dance group the church, you know, youth uh, ministry, no, well, not youth ministry, I was in a youth ministry, but just the youth um, supporting uh, uh, programming. And so, you know, I was a, a, a youth Sunday school teacher, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. so all of these things, you know, you don't know it when you're doing it, but when you look back, they're all teaching you all these small elements about, you know, here's how you be a leader. Here's different ways to be, to lead. Here's different ways to approach communicating to people. Here's different ways to engage different types of people, you know, who have different needs, you know, who have different, you know, uh, communication and engagement, you know, uh, styles and needs. And, um, you know, I didn't know it until, you know, I eventually left, you know, that community, you know, went away to school and went away to travel and things like that, how um, helpful it would be to apply those things. Yeah, it's so interesting because nobody says to us when we're younger like hey this is going to teach you leadership leadership skills right <laughs> you do the thing and then retrospectively we can look back it's i did not know that we shared that in common when i was in high school i went to a catholic high school out here in long island chaminade and uh i taught uh ccd after for the public school kids like we i actually was a, i was a public school kid so growing up uh before i went to uh not i used to go to ccd after school after full day we go to religious class you know like on a wednesday afternoon then all these years later i was teaching those classes so far, i did not know we had that in common um so that that's that's pretty funny um i we are going to take a break in a second but you know for me it's i love that that you know and, and yes of course the faith is involved but it was it was community that i was hearing more so than anything out of that you know where I want to just make another quick thing. Uh, my friend Tammy Severino will be on the show next week. She's the CEO of Girl Scouts of Suffolk County. So funny that you bring up the Scouts. Both uh, you know, my younger daughter is still in the scouting and whatnot. Um, in fact, I think my son, my wife, told me, yeah, I think he's just he's going to join Cub Scouts. So that's like a whole other thing. So, so look, there's there's so much to get involved with with the community. When we come back, I want to talk to you to the point of um, 
you know, maybe if you want to talk a little bit about the college years, stuff you learn, and then um, when we came back and when you come back to Brooklyn and you find North Star, and let's get into that one, come back. How's that sound? Amazing. Awesome. All right, let's do it. <laughs> we want a break. We'll be right back. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Are you on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Nonprofits need connections to move in good directions. So cut through all the static. Join Tommy in his attic. Cut through the static, man. Join me in the attic, man. Listen, that's it right there. That's just the only song in the history of radio shows and podcasts called for the only one that shouts out the attic. Who shouts out the physical space? Not enough people do. Shout out to the attic. Hello, attic. Hello, Tommy. <laughs> so, all right. So, let's talk. Let's get into this now. So, you know, you have, can we talk a little bit about the, kind of the college years? Because, I, I, again, as much or as little as you, you want to get into, because I, I think certainly – from going through our leadership journeys that we did and the work we did together, um, mm-hmm. I learned so much. So can you share a little bit about that? Because I think that is those things define us as to who we become as adults and leaders. Yeah, sure. Um, so I, uh, so I went to, I was in um, public school for the majority of my life in, um, in Brooklyn um, through, you know, middle school and high school and um for uh, undergrad, I went to Wesleyan in Connecticut. Um, I actually took a gap, a gap year between um, high school and going to undergrad. And for that year, I did, I just did some traveling. I did volunteer work, you know, and um, that felt really nice. And then I went to Connecticut and went to <laughs> um, a... Um, Very you similar know, to Brooklyn, right? Very similar to Bed-Stuy, right? <laughs> you know, <laughs> just the same. It's totally the same, you know. <laughs> 
I went to a really small um, liberal arts school in Middletown, Connecticut. And um, it was, though it's very close, you know, maybe what, like, I think it's like an hour and a half away from, you know, the city, you know, it was definitely a culture shock for me, you know, and this is me, you know, born and raised in Brooklyn, you know, center in, in New York City, the center of wealth and, you know, everything. And but it was definitely a culture shock for me being surrounded by just honestly, just so many white people with so much money. It was just so it was really just a shock. And I think the shock for me was, you know, living in bedside, you know, I was in my community, just, you know, I was surrounded by my community of, you know, people who looked like me, you know, like I said, my life at the time was, you know, um, you know, my church, which was full of very, you know, pretty successful, you know, black people, you know, people in my church were, you know, local Congress people, you know, local politicians, the successful business people, you know, they were, you know, they were uh, sorority and fraternity, you know, uh, representatives. And so they were successful people. So I wasn't, you know, um, uh, I was I was used to seeing success, but right. it, this there was just a different type of exposure that I didn't have um, up until I had just like left um, yeah. left fully um, that that world. And so it was just being there. That first, I would say, like three months or so, it was just like, wow, like this is really like people really live. This is a different life. This is like people lived completely different than me. Um, but it was still great. I credit, you know, um, I learned, it was a, I learned a whole lot at Wesleyan. It was, you know, both just the, you know, different exposure that I had, but also, you know, it's a top-notch education, obviously. I, you know, my core, core group of friends to this day, you know, are still my, you know, my people that I um, connected with at Wesleyan. You know, we, right now, you know, I just, we just had a Zoom meeting last night. We still meet weekly, you know, we still talk regularly. And so, yeah, um, Wesleyan, you know, was a trip, but it's a great place. It's a great place. And to credit the school, um, at least at the time, obviously, it's been a minute since I was in grad school, I mean, undergrad. Um, but to credit the school, they did at the time really try to support, um, especially, you know, POC um, students. They were very aware that, you know, POC students were, um, you know, kind of in the minority there. And so they did um, try to do a lot to um, offer support um, to the, the community, um, you know, around um just being in, in the in the spaces yeah now you also did some um you studied abroad was that in grad school or is that in undergrad as well oh i studied abroad both places at both um uh times so for undergrad i studied abroad at um in south africa in cape town which is awesome i love it um cape town is a is one of my favorite places that i've ever traveled um uct is a top-notch university um highly highly recommend if you all have children encourage your children to 
uh, do a semester or year or something at UCT. It's a rigorous, you know, academic um, institution, but, um, you know, I, I still, I have, I still to this day have saved, you know, some of my papers that I wrote there, um, some of the um, readings that I, you know, received from there. It was awesome. Um, so, excellent, you know, education that I got there. Some of the people that I met there, I still, you know, am in touch with till till today. And also just, you know, Cape Town is beautiful. It's, you know, the food is amazing. It was just an awesome time. Do you get to go back? <laughs> Are you able to, you know, pandemic aside, like in years prior, you get to travel back that way? I actually have, I don't think I've been back to Cape Town since yeah. then, but I would go any, I would go at the drop of a hat. Okay. <laughs> You know, man, it's such a big world out there, like that we don't see. I mean, I, I you know, I, I've Long Island. I've been here forever, and there's so much Long Island that we don't even see. There's so much New York State that we don't see. So, but then exactly. you get into this country that you don't see, and then this whole planet that you don't see, man. There's so there's so much out there. That's my train ride. If you can hear it, I probably have to leave soon, everybody. Because <laughs> hello, right. Long Island Railroad. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a few days since I've had a call out the railroad on the show, so that that's good. Um, take us to take us to Carnegie Mellon, and then and then really, um, you know, where you started to do some work with with new voices as well. Oh sure. Um, so uh, after I graduated Wesleyan, you know, I actually. Um, came back to Brooklyn and I was recruited to work for, um, oh Lord, I was actually recruited to work for a mortgage company. And um, I graduated Wesleyan in 05. And I don't know if, if folk remember, but that was sort of at the booming, you know, mortgages were booming, yeah. you know, and I was recruited um, to work for uh, Countrywide, um, which, you know, um, those who know, know that. I Countrywide forgot we had, I, I forgot we had this, this connection. I didn't, I didn't realize until you started talking about this part of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Countrywide was one of, you know, the um, sort of, if, if not number one, number two, as the, one of the leaders um, leading the country down the direction. Um, uh, when the when when everything tanked, um, but anyway, I was recruited as you know a subprime loan loan um, uh, processor um, at the time because they just needed so many people, and uh, I worked there for some time until um, I didn't, and then I transitioned um, into another area. Um, I transitioned to work um, into another um, space where I was like, oh well, maybe this is a little better for me it's not direct it's it's i worked in marketing and sales but it was for um like an energy management company that was a little bit more um towards sustainability i would say and um i was like okay maybe this is more you know um my vibe but it wasn't really and so i started to just feel like i needed to um just completely i, I needed a reset and that's what made me decide to go to go back to grad school and so that was maybe another four or five years after i had graduated from wesley wow and okay so it was a break yeah it was some time yeah um yeah. and and um i had uh, chosen and decided to go to um, Carnegie Mellon in Pittsburgh. And um, I had known, I was, I was always deciding, you know, do I want to do a master in public policy or a master in public administration? And, you know, at first I was just always leaning to public administration.
education because I was like, look, masters in public policies are math and quant heavy, and I have not taken a math class. Like Wesleyan was a super liberal arts college, and they they were like, look, you don't have to do anything you don't want to do, and so if you don't want to take math classes, you don't have to take math classes. And I did not take math classes, um, <laughs> but and so therefore, when I was looking for my master's degree, I was like, I don't want a master's degree that I need to do a whole bunch of statistics, you know, yeah. um, things, and so but as it turns out i actually went you know i challenged myself and went for the harder what i felt was the harder um path and so i decided on the um masters in public policy um um path at with carnegie mellon which i think was definitely great it was rigorous you know i feel the better person you know for it it was a really you know um i think it was a really thorough program and you know super excited about it um and while i was in pittsburgh i um was able to connect with an organization um uh that centers whose work is all about reproductive justice and that's new voices pittsburgh um and i was i joined them um and eventually i started working with them as their, uh, um, I think it was the program director um, or some sort of director. <laughs> well, and this is, yeah, and this has got to be what twelve more than twelve years ago or something like that. Yeah, in, in <laughs> yeah not to not to do math on everybody, but just to, but just from a fact of you know from a reproductive situation, you know where we are as we sit here in two thousand twenty two you know, different, certainly a different world than these conversations that are going on right now. And uh, I don't know that we're going to go into that conversation today because we have a lot to cover on on um, on trust-based philanthropy and certainly on North Star Fund. So let's talk about that when we come back. We're going to take a quick break. What I want to know is, you're, you, you know, you're back in Brooklyn. You get this role as, um, at, you know, in, in development as really, as, I guess, as a development assistant initially, right? When you yes. so 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 we'll we're gonna tease everybody because that's what we're gonna talk about when we come back with Kofo. You get that role at North Star, and then we're gonna go through the what North Star does, the the grantees, a uh, little bit into what what uh, trust based philanthropy is, how we need to educate people on how to do this type of work, and and we'll just have more with Kofo and Tommy. We'll be right back. Philanthropy in focus. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern time on talkradio.nyc. Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy and Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. 
at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Nonprofits need connections to move in good directions. So cut through all the static. Join Tommy in his attic. Every week on a Friday morning, I do a couple of things. Well, I do a lot of things on Friday morning, but specific to this show, I do a couple of things. I meet with a friend, maybe it's an existing friend, maybe it's a new friend, who runs a nonprofit organization, who leads a nonprofit organization, and I help them tell their story, and I help them. I think I'm, 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 I help, I'm like an amplifier, man. I help them amplify the message. I help get the word out. I know some people. I'm a little bit connected. I have, I, I, you know... I have some friends, I know people, and I like to take these messages and these stories and push them out there and get them to the world. So this morning, my friend Kofo is here from the North Star Fund, started out in 2011 as a development assistant, and over the years has earned and learned her way to the leadership role in development as director of development at the North Star Fund. Kofo, thanks for coming on the show today. Let's jump into now, really, we, we've, we've kind of set some fundamentals. We set a foundation. We got some of the, some of the basic here. Um, tell us about this organization. Tell us about your journey to this organization. Tell us about the impact, you know, and let's talk and let's weave in what, how you would talk about trust-based, trust-based philanthropy. Sure. Um, so I think actually before I even jump into North Star Fund, I want to go back to, um, the, uh, to New Voices Pittsburgh, um, because I want to just connect, um, or make the connection for, um, folk with my work there, um, with New Voices Pittsburgh, their full name of the organization is actually New Voices Pittsburgh, Woman, Woman of Color for Reproductive Justice. And the reason that this organization was really sort of impactful for me and my path and my journey was because there's a distinction actually between the reproductive justice movement and the reproductive rights movement. And the reproductive justice movement is one that is a bit more expansive and inclusive and intersectional than um, the, um, uh, I guess, the more traditional and straightforward um, reproductive rights movement. Reproductive justice movement is one that, um, yes, it does um, obviously uh, uh, concern a woman or a person's reproductive uh, uh, freedoms, um, but it connects a person's ability to live and raise their child in a in an environment um, that is free and healthy and um, uh, and safe you know they are uh, able an individual should be able to raise their child in a safe healthy and free environment and so all of the elements that would make an environment um, not safe, not healthy um, for that child um, are part of the reproductive justice movement. Those, all of those issues are also part of the reproductive justice movement. And um, those things are often or are absent from the reproductive rights movement, right? Mm -hmm. And so- Like those things, like safe, healthy and free, what that kind of looks like in a- a Sure. 
tangible or practical sense? Sure. And so, sure. Um, when and when I say environment, I do mean environment, right? So, for in some communities, very explicitly, the environment is not healthy, right? And so, the air is not healthy for children to breathe. Um, the air is just is poison, you know, for for children to breathe, right? And so, the environment, the physical environment for people for children is not safe. Um, you know, the we already know that there are spaces where um, certain um, black and brown children, you know, walking down the street, they, they cannot safely walk down the street without fear of um, some sort of um, interaction that could affect their, their life, um, you know, adversely affect their life, right? Um, there, we, we already know the um, statistics um, around, um, for black women, the maternal health statistics around black women, one, around their abilities to um, give birth safely, one, and then two, to survive the year after giving birth, um, you know, to a child um, are, I think, what is it, 40 times less that of a, of a non-Black person, a non-Black woman um, or a person giving birth. And so, you know, all of those things are issues that are um, addressed and confronted within the reproductive justice movement. Um, and many of those things, I won't say all, but many of those things are missing from the reproductive rights movement. Um, and so I lift those up. I lift that, that up because those are some of the things that were um, uh, just like center for me in my work with New Voices Pittsburgh when I was in Pittsburgh and when I was working on my um a master's degree at CMU. Um, and so once I had finished my master's and I was working and I was looking for my next step, my, um, um, you know, my job, uh, you know, the only commitment that I really made to myself was that I was going to find a, a space that, you know, made me feel good. You know, I know that, you know, as I, every time I say this now, I'm just like that, was not a tangible goal. Hopefully, like, like, <laughs> made me feel good, right? <laughs> How do you quantify that? <laughs> exactly. Like, oh, that was not a tangible goal for you. To, like, what? What does that even mean? Mm -hmm. But when I said that, I was like, you know, I want to find work. You know, just le looking back on, you know, what my mother said. You know, I wanted, I wanted to find work that, you know, did not that made me feel like I was actually helping, that I was, you know, adding to something and not extracting that I, I was um, actually um, doing a service. I was providing a service for a community that I cared about. Um, and that did when I was done at the end of the day, didn't leave me feeling um, icky, you know, <laughs> or, you know. Yeah, certainly, or, again, coming out of the mortgage industry, for sure. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I, especially at that time in history. Sorry, mortgage industry. Uh, but... <laughs> You know, I mean, history is what it is. I mean, it's true. Um, right. But, but uh, you know, did you consider staying in Pittsburgh? Was there an opportunity to stay with New Voices? Um, there definitely was an opportunity to stay in, stay with New Voices. Um, and I considered it. Um, I didn't strongly consider it uh, just because I have a very strong connection to New York, you <laughs> to come New home. York so yeah. I always kind of wanted to come back home. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm 
New Voices is just always in my heart. I just, you know, I still have a strong connection to it, obviously. And the work lives with me, walks with me. Um, yeah. And, but so, yeah. And, and, just, um, and, and the work is still going on. In very yeah, I shared, I, I shared the website. I just shared it on Facebook, folks, if you want to check it out. And I shared it while we were talking. I did like a screen share. But, you know, Kofo, just before we go into um, North Star Fund, just mm-hmm. thank you for delineating you know i may have just assumed it had to do with certain certain things and and mm-hmm. you know reproductive rights and and you just totally brought in this yeah as you say lift up or run this entirely different conversation for for myself and obviously also for the people who are going to listen to this all over the world about reproductive justice so thank you for doing that so check that out uh new voices rj is the org newvoicesrj.org if you're not on facebook so let's get into north star fund if we could now because i really want to dive into that let's how yes, you get yes. there what how did, how did you get there um i got there just completely randomly i saw a posting um you know just on like an email forward for you know a part-time uh, development associate position um i had not had any um you know experience in um you know formal philanthropy um in you know uh, grant making or fundraising in any way. Um, but, you know, the work as described, you know, was something that I knew that I could do. You know, it was for that position, it was, you know, a lot of sort of like database work and data entry and stuff like that. And um, I, it's so, yeah, so I knew I could do the work. What I was interested in and the reason I applied, even though, you know, here I am, you know, I just finished a master's degree program at Carnegie Mellon. Um, I liked the organization. I read about the organization. I had spoken to a couple of people, you know, uh, the the founder of New Voices, you know, had heard about, had known about, you know, North Star Fund, you know, because uh, as a grant seeker um, and, you know, things. So I'd spoken to some people and, you know, they only, I had only heard good things about it, you know, um, you know, second and third hand. And so from what I had read, I'm like, okay, this sounds like a pretty cool place, you know, to work. And so that's why, that's really why I applied. Um, I was like, this sounds like a cool place to get into. So um, this might be the way that I get into it. Um, and from there, I guess you could say the rest is history. I um, ha- I applied and, you know, interviewed and, um, you know, at the time the organization has grown and gone through a lot of transition systems since then but at the time the person who um who had hired me she took me on and you know pretty much taught me you know everything that you know i know from <laughs> about the, about the work about the work that we do about the work of you know fundraising for an organization like north star fund and um uh yeah about what we do um and uh I don't know if we have time now or if you want me to do it when we come back, but then I can jump into what North Star Fund actually do. Do it. Let's start now. It's my show. If we go long and we come back late, we'll figure it out. Let's go. Jump in. So, okay. So, North Star Fund. We are a uh, community foundation that um, gives grants to grassroots organizations um, that uh, does work 
in the five boroughs of New York City, as well as the Hudson Valley. Um, when I talk about our work, I like to break it down um, or explain it to people by saying we really do three things. I see our work as, you know, us doing three things. North Star Fund is a grant maker, we're a fundraiser, and we are a donor organizer. And uh, most people can pretty easily understand the first two as us being a grant maker and a fundraising or institution. Um, uh, but, but donor organizer is a little bit more complicated for people to get. As a donor organizer, what we do is we try to connect one, as a main thing we do as a donor organizer is we try to um, always be um, connecting and educating our donors around how to be um, good donors to um, the our grantees and to grantees in our communities. And um, I can explain what we mean by quote unquote good donors. You know, yeah, let's come back on that one. Second. We'll dive into that. We will take a quick one. I'm going to show some an article, uh, Meet the Newest Grantees, Summer 2022 edition. I'll share that. We'll go to break. <laughs> Tell me when we come back what it means to be a good donor. And really, I think that'll roll into a little bit about trust-based philanthropy because that's what we're talking about, right? All right, so this show is called Philanthropy in Focus. That's Kofo. I'm Tommy, and we're going to take a break. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. It's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector, coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. pet lovers pet avengers assemble on the professionals and animal lovers show we believe the bond between animal lovers is incredibly strong it mirrors that bond between pets and their owners through this program we come together to learn educate and advocate join us live every wednesday at 2 p.m at talkradio.nyc You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Nonprofits need connections to move in good directions. So cut through all the static. Join Tommy in his attic. And we are back. Philanthropy and Focus is Friday morning. Kofo Anifalaji. Ani Falaji is here. I had to get the Ani part, right? I knew I needed to hit that part. Um, <laughs> development officer, development director over at North Star Fund. I'm sharing my screen still if you're on Facebook. I'm just taken by the, you know these organizations, these grantees that your organization has uh, directed funds towards and also um, 
you know, taught others the, from a donor organizing perspective. You know, I just want to make a comment and if it's going to take us on a different track, let's not, you know, we don't have to spend too much time on it. But, you know, when Maheen was on the show, Maheen Kaleem, uh, grant makers for girls of color. We talked a lot about the community knows what it needs. The community actually knows what the work that needs to be done. And as I look at the explanation of the, the descriptions of these organizations, they know what they need to do. They don't need big corporates or donors or people who can write big checks to come in and tell them how to do what they need to do in the community. Right. So can we start a little bit there? Cause I think it's kind of related to what, what we're going to talk about. Um, sure. Uh, I think towards that, uh, in, in speaking about North Star Fund, uh, yes, we we definitely believe that, um, you know, trust is important and that, you know, the best knowers of, you know, what, of how to fix an issue are the people who are dealing with the issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and towards that, I, uh, I think for, for North Star Fund, at least, one thing that we do is, um, as a grant maker, um, you know, something that, um, is becoming, I, I think, I think is becoming more common in, you know, recently, but um, it's coming, I guess you could say more in vogue recently, um, participatory grant making is what it's called. Um, uh, and what that means is, at least for us, for our grant making, we as staff, um, our tradition, our board, uh, we do not make the grant decisions. Um, for North Star Fund is about 40, a little over 40 years old. Um, it's been around for a bit, over 40 years now. And um, our just like grounding, our founding and sort of like grounding principles have always been about like disrupting power, disrupting the traditional power dynamics of things, right? And um, one way of doing that is disrupting how decisions around grants and um, how grants are awarded um, are made. And for North Star Fund, the way that grant decisions are made is we um, have established outside grant making bodies that we call our community funding committees, um, CFCs for short. And our community funding committees are made up of members of communities, of our communities that are, you know, affected and impacted by the issues that we fund. Um, Some of them are former grantees. Some of them are current grantees, you know, some of them are organizers, you know, and activists and, you know, they, people um, or individuals who are at various points and elements on the spectrum, just in the world, in the community, but folks who have actual, um, you know, sort of firsthand knowledge about um, the organizing work that we fund. They are the people who are actually um, reviewing um, the our grant applications. Um, when we um, do site visits, they are the people who are actually have um, do site visits and make the assessments about um, the grants, who receives in um, the grants that we award. It's not us, you know, on the it's not us administrators, I guess, you know, yeah. on the back end, you know, doing it. And so that's one way that um, 
in relation to what, you know, Maheen was saying about, you know, folks who are, you know, closest to issues, you know, should be the ones who are making decisions, you know, that's one example of how, at least for North Star Fund, we try to put people who are closer to the issues in the decision-making power um, around around, um, the issues. Thank you. Yeah. So that's the great stuff. We do three hours on this, these topics easily. (laughs) So what what makes a good donor? Ooh, what makes a good donor? Because <laughs> well, like, that's what I, we said, you know, donor organizing. How do we do that? You know, how to be a good donor? What like, how do you do that? I mean, that's a loaded question. Maybe that's a big one for you, but you know, we'll we'll, we'll, we'll just we'll make something happen. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think before I answer that, I'll just like big, you know, top level, I'll just start um, talking about trust-based philanthropy because it's a a facet of that, right? And so trust-based philanthropy, you know, it's not something that North Star Fund did not, you know, think of it, you know, it's a, um, this is a, an approach, you know, that um, North Star Fund is just, you know, adopting, you know, I actually, I don't know, you know, who thought of it or created it. I think it's a cohort of, of institutions or people who came up with it. But really, trust-based philanthropy is um, an approach that was created really to try to address power and build equity within the philanthropic sphere. Um, and it's really about a way to try to get um, philanthropy to confront the way that our sector has really deeply contributed to systemic inequity um, in so many ways, right? There's, you know, if you get into the history of philanthropy, you know, you know, it's rife, it's it's ripe with, you know, drama and and inequity, you know. Um, and so trust-based philanthropy is really, I think, just a very intentional way for um, uh, uh, organizations to try to um, just directly confront it and um, do something about that, right? And so what it does is it offers, um, it, it, it's, it, it offers a lot of different um, sort of, um, what can you say? What is it called? Uh, uh, models for mm-hmm. organizations to follow, but at its core, it's really uh, just about uh, a list of values mm-hmm. that they, that your organization can adopt in the way that it operates, in, yeah. the, in the way that it um, reviews and assesses the decisions, you know, that it makes. And I think at its core, there, at, at its core, there, I think maybe are about four or five values that uh, uh really sort of like um, hold up trust-based philanthropy. And, um, and I'm, I'm going by my memory about this. Let, <laughs> let, right me, now, let but... me stop you right there. Here, I'm, I want to pause you because we are going to run out of time and I want you to dive oh, a little sure. bit North Star specific. So I can share a resource. This is how the show goes. We go fast. It goes <laughs> like that. So I, I'll share resources after. If you all have okay. resources, share them with Kofo and I about trust-based philanthropy and let's have a conversation. Let's make this a, a conversation. But tell me what's what's happening right now at North Star, what's upcoming and how we can help. 
Oh my God, yes. Um, so North Star Fund, yikes, so much is happening, especially in the last, um, I would say like two or three years. Um, you know, North Star Fund has just been really, we've sort of like put our head put our head down and just like got to work. We have um, listened to our grantees, excuse me, we've listened to our grantees about what they've needed, which is obviously more money, more support, more, uh, you know, uh, back-end capacity building about, you know, which is uh, just support about, you know, you know, my organization is growing, you know, how do I, you know, um, build a team? How do I help my team effectively? So we're trying to help them, um, give them support about, um, you know, uh, you know, around things like that, right? So we are building out way, um, supports in, um, uh, in, in those ways for our groups. We have, um, in so many ways, doubled, tripled our grant making to our organizations. Um, North Star Fund has a, um, we have three core grant making um, uh, groups. We, have, we give grants, we have a New York City grant making group, we have a program, we have a Hudson Valley grant making program, and we have a Let Us Breathe grant making program, which is our, which is a grant making program for Black-led organizing. Um, and in the last two years, our Black-led organizing grant-making program has, we have awarded, I would say, almost uh, grant-making in that, in that category has, I think, tripled. Um, we have begun giving um, two-year grants, multi-year grants um, in so many, in all of our categories, um, doubled our grant amounts in, I think, almost all of our categories. Um, and our hope is to do more um, over the coming coming year. Um, we had a um, giving project that we are right now in um, recruitment for. Um, giving project is a six-month six um, program where we teach individuals about, it's a donor organizing opportunity, right, so education-based. And so we teach individuals um, the uh, history of philanthropy. Um, we teach you how to do fundraising from a trust-based philanthropy perspective, from North Star Fund's perspective. We teach you some background on some North Star Fund grantees, um, and we give you, um, and we um, send you out there, do some fundraising from your own networks um, toward um, in support of our Black-led organizing fund, the Let Us Breathe Fund. Um, and we'll send you some more information on that if you're yeah so we'll send so we're gonna so what we're gonna do is so i will share i am considering putting in an application for that program myself golf and i've been talking about it and i tell you all because now i really have to, to get, get in it and make it happen because now i've just put it out there to the world Golfo, <laughs> the website is northstarfund.org how do they get is that the best way to get in touch and engage with the organization yes right. and you can get in touch with me at kofo at northstarfund.org k-o-f-o at northstarfund.org i I'm taking the blame for us running out of time, but I did not invent an hour that only had 60 minutes. That's sort of how it was. I just, I misallocated today, but we will have to just make a new show and have you on the new show. Kofa, I appreciate you. I appreciate your friendship. I appreciate the insight, the great work North Star Fund is doing and the great work you are doing as a leader in this sector, in our sector, in the nonprofit sector. Thanks for being here. I appreciate you. Thank you, Tommy. It was a pleasure. Appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely. <laughs> Last thing I'll say to everybody is before I say make it a great day, but make it a great day anyway. Tammy Severino will be on the show with me from Girl Scouts of Suffolk County next week here on Philanthropy and Focus. Make it a great day. Make it a great weekend.
Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Popo. to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. on edge hey we live in challenging edgy times so let's lean in i'm sandra bargeman the host of the edge of every day which airs each monday at 7 p.m eastern time on talkradio.nyc tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges that's the edge of every day on mondays at 7 p.m eastern time on talkradio.nyc all pet lovers pet avengers assemble on the professionals and animal lovers show we believe the bond between animal lovers is incredibly strong it mirrors that bond between pets and their owners through this program we come together to learn educate and advocate join us live every wednesday at 2 p.m at talkradio.nyc post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be frank about health to advocate for all of us. about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower.